Hey everyone, I know you've heard me speak about microdosing and how much I love it. And I'm talking about microdosing THC. I love it. And that's why I love our sponsor, microdose.com. Microdose gummies are incredible. They deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And when I mean just the right amount of good, I mean in so many situations, anxiety, sleep, focus, pain, relaxation. There are so many different strains and they're really helpful. And I have recommended microdose.com to so many people. And you know what they say to me? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be afraid of microdosing. Go to microdose.com and you'll learn all about microdosing THC. These gummies feel amazing. They taste amazing. I have used them to get me into the zone I need to write. I've used them at night after a stressful day or a stressful show to relax. I have also said to family members, please take a gummy right now. And they've said, oh, good idea. So check it out. Check it out because they're fantastic. And I'm not like a big weed person. I mean, I used to be. And I do enjoy, I do enjoy weed every now and then, but I love, I love these gummies and I take them with me everywhere. So check it out. Don't be afraid. They're all natural. They're fantastic. And you deserve it. So what are you going to do? You're going to do something that is fantastic. You're going to get 30% off your first order. 30% off. That's a lot. Plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Use promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. It's available nationwide. They deliver it to your door. That is microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold for 30% off and free shipping. Do it. Go to microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold. You deserve it. You deserve it. And you know what else? You're welcome. Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. Let's bring her out. The star attraction, the one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ms. Judy Gold. Welcome to Kill Me Now. I am Judy Gold, your host. Um, okay, so I'm just prepping you right now that I am having a Kill Me Now moment because Ben decided that his dog that he has with Sharon, my ex, who I am also in love with the dog, but the dog's not shutting the fuck up. So every time I ring the Jew bell, the dog is barking. So I'm just warning everyone, Jew bell equals barking dog, okay? So that's number one. Number two is, I love this week's guest and next week, cause you know, we'll never shut the fuck up. And I have to say, and I've never said this about a guest before, one of the most beautiful people I have ever seen in my life, like beyond gorgeous, attractive. I'm not kidding. What? Oh, I've always thought you were so stunningly beautiful. I'm not kidding. Come on. Uh, and I'm a lesbian, so it means a lot more. Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, 
I mean, you know her from so many things because. Oh, please. Oh, please. Oh, please. Yes. Come on. You know you're fucking hot as fucking hell. <laughs> no, I mean, that is that is wedding speech nice. I did not expect that. That is so. Thank you. I know. I was like, I have to tell her, but I've always thought you were so beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, Michelle Boutal is here. Woo! Oh, yeah. shit. My arms are so fucking fat. But <laughs> Don't Michelle, even you are, you know, look, I've been doing this since before you're born. Uh, no, I've been doing this since I did my first set in 1981. I, when I was 19, and, you know, I've seen so many people come on the scene. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Um, and you're just so authentically funny. Like, you're, uh, that's why I love you so much. You're so fucking unapologetically who you are, which makes you a great comedian, but it makes you an even better comedian because you're a woman. And I, as I've done, re I research my guests a lot. We have so much in common. What? Yeah. It's a phenomenon. Like there's so much about you that it, it just, we'll start at the very beginning. Okay. It's a very good place to start. Now I know you're, I'm from New Jersey. You're from New Jersey. Yes. But you grew up on a cul-de-sac. I did not. I looked everywhere for what town don't tell me the town yet okay but through all of my spy work i'm gonna put it out there that you grew up in marlton oh shit well i no? i well i grew up in hamilton square but we lived in marlton for a year fuck yeah my last year in jersey my dad like lost his job, and the reason why we were in Central Jersey is he was in New York City. Mom worked in Philly. They would, you know, we were in the center. Uh, we were in Central Jersey too because my mother was from Manhattan and my father worked in Trenton. See, where's Central they, Jersey? It's the worst place ever. It's the most racist place ever. Um, I'm gonna. I am going to redeem myself to say that I I was born in in Newark, I lived, we lived in Elizabeth, and then we moved to Clark, New Jersey. Have you heard of Clark? White Clark, New Jersey? I have heard of Clark. I don't, I've never been to Clark. Maybe I have Good. by okay. accident, but I feel like there's a, people don't understand how racist New Jersey is because they just see Jersey yes. where, where Italian people are right. darker. And that's just not what it is. It is like the, the other, the, the Italians, the Irish, the Polish, if you're exotic, and then truly like tracks and like the Chinese people stick with each other. Everyone is sort of like, it's very segregated. The Jews and Italians seem to, to stay together. We, I lived next to two Italian families, but you know, the thing about where I grew up was there were no black people, none, zero. Shit. And we, and there was a KKK and we would get swastikas on our house oh. and they would burn crosses and it was so, I mean, they were really anti-Semitic, but they were so, they were more racist. And I remember when I was a teenager saying, why did you move here? You know, if you, and a location, I mean, there weren't, there weren't, it wasn't built up yet. You know, it wasn't, they weren't certain that it was a white, white, white place when they moved, it was 1968. And like, there were no houses on our, there weren't that, you know, not all the houses were up yet, but it was such a fucking shit show. And then I went to Rutgers and thank God Didn't there was no diversity. Did you fuck with you just to walk down the street by yourself? 
Do you know what I mean? Just to walk down the street by yourself. Let's say you have the star of David on. Like, no, they, you know, I was so unaware because all the Jews and Italians were on one side of town and then all the others were elsewhere, like in Polish and German. But it wasn't like that. It wasn't like, it wasn't like the systemic racism, you know, and Jersey is pretty racist, don't you think? Jersey is and Republican. Racist. That's why I will never go back. I mean, I feel like I truly got out. Do I love my friends? Yes. Did most of them vote for Trump? Yes. Oh! Yes, and a lot of these women are gay, but they are- And they voted for Trump? Yes. Oh, I need to, I need their numbers. They don't know. They're just, you know, very conservative, very Catholic, maybe a dollop of self-hating. I am not, you know, I'm not a therapist. I don't know, but I think a lot of people just think, well, I'm Republican, my family's Republican, so I just go to get along. But he's not even, it's like he's not even fucking Republican. I don't He's a fucking people- asshole. And I have to ring the Jew bell because I did mention Jew. Shut up. Shut the fuck up. We're going to have light Jew bell on this episode. Maddie, shut up! Sorry. So anyway, so you grew up in New Jersey. Haitian mother, Jamaican father, mother, half white. Jamaican, Jamaican mother, a Haitian father, mother, half white, yes. and skinny, and just perfect body and beautiful. And... You know, it's just, your body stuff is so, it's so, is me, you know? I mean, I, I'm tall, but I, I'm also big. I'm not, like, I'm not, like, the waif, like, oh, my God, you should be a model, okay? Um, and then when you're this in-between, everyone, you, everyone sort of throws their inner monologue on you, like, you know, you're, you're so many different definitions of what people have to be right. skinny or fat or feminine or delicate or masculine and it's just like i'm really just truly trying to be fucking me right like a day to day not even this year just this fucking day right so you know just because i have tits does not mean i want to fuck you sir it just means that there's a lot of flesh here so it's like growing up in jersey go to wawa and get a fucking oh my god Jersey reference. I should have a bell for a Jersey reference. <laughs> Bing. Um, Wawa, my mother would only buy milk at Wawa. She said they had the best milk. But fucking Wawa. I can't believe Wawa. Your mother had wavy hair. Yeah. Um, and they were both... I love when you talk about, in your act, about <laughs> how they both had office jobs. And you once they brought you to the office, and you were like, oh, my God. I really want an office job. And then they bring you to the office and you're like, oh my God, this is so fucking boring. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. And it's you, they, a rat race. what did they do? What did, what did your parents do? My dad was an international auditor and um, he would go to insurance companies all over the world and audit them. And wow. he speaks eight languages and he's deaf in one ear. So he's like, you know, he's very accomplished and he's, you know, um, he's going to let you know whether he's in the room, whether he wants to be there or not, that kind of guy. And my mom is very quiet. My mom is, um, she was a customs broker and she's really smart too, but I think she always was next in line. She always raised the men up. She wasn't even the vice president. She was assistant to the vice president, to the president and had all the ideas. She was very working girl, like Melanie Griffin, the working girl, but she couldn't get her voice together, you know? And I think, she says and it's that's a that generation. That's the generation. Yeah. Your father 
I, I know people who are either slight deaf or uh, deaf in one ear and they think of it as a gift because they would be talking to someone and they fucking hate the person. Then they turn their head and they'd be like, you know, oh, that's, did the, he? that's my whole childhood. He yeah. Know anything I've said. He's like, that show is amazing. I'm like, can you tell me one thing I fucking said? <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, oh, that's so funny. And you were brought up Catholic. So Catholic. My uncle's yeah. arch Jamaica. Like no fucking way. Yeah, like no Jew bell are- on that. No Jew bell on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. We are Catholic. Yeah. And do and you was- are your kid your kids, your husband, you know? No. Well, no, my husband um, has two older siblings that were baptized, but by the time his mom had him, she was diabetic. She got diabetes with him and she was like, just fuck everything. European people, you know, are not as religious because of what happened with the last war. And they're like, you know what? We're going to cool it on this religion bullshit. Isn't it? Isn't that so interesting that because of their history, they're they're like, okay, this religion stuff is kind of bullshitty and yet here we are in this new country where we've created the worst religions at at like this fucking evangelical bullshit and it's just hate-filled and yet because we're such a baby country we're we're going through these growing pains that are oh i just i can't it's i it it is a lot it's almost like the universe has just figured out what the fuck recycling is and now we're just trying to go along with her but yeah, I mean, it is fascinating to see a, a place like Germany who has learned from their fucking mistakes and try to make it better. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's also interesting watching politics with someone from another country because right. my husband will be like, why are they talking about what religion they are? What does that have to do with the politics? I'm like, thank you. Yes. So that part. But, you know, my kids are not baptized. My mom is real upset about it. That was... A big thing, we had planned a baptism because um, my uncle was going to baptize them a year ago. And I picked my godparents. And um, did I tell you this? No. I picked my godparents. And I, and I was like, you know what? I'm not really down with the whole baptism thing, but I'm the only child. And so I'm like, I am going to, I'm really trying to break away from people pleasing, especially my parents. But you know, it's like you start to parent yourself when you're a parent. And so I told my mom who the godmothers are. And I'm like, the godmothers are gay. Is that cool? And she's like, let me see. I'm like, I don't even want to be a part of it. Where it's like a let me see. Yeah. And so she's like, it's fine. And so she didn't say anything. And it was brought to my uncle's attention when he met Rebecca Donahue and her wife, Carrie, that we're all in town. People have flown in from Seattle, L.A., Jamaica, Holland, People have flown in all over from Florida and now like over 50 people are coming and my uncle, you know, hits me up the day before and he's like, I am so sorry, but you know, the church doesn't recognize a union between same sex and you have to find someone else if you want to go through with this. And, you know, he was very sweet about it. He wasn't an asshole. And I was like, I, I, there's no way I can do that. Like, these are my chosen family. This is my chosen family. These are the people I choose. And I don't know how to even talk to my, how am I? No, I don't even know how that, to that's what a people. shitty position to put you in. It's, it was horrible. And it's still a thing. And it's a year later, but we ended up doing a blessing, a friend, 
who's got like a little degree or like a little certificate, right. whatever. We just canceled everything and just threw it in the backyard and told everybody to come. Did your uncle come? No, he said he couldn't come and be a part of it. And like, look, he's been in the church for over 50 years. He's going to retire soon. I understand his position. You know, I just, it really hit me hard when my mom was like, how dare you choose your family, your friends over your family. And I'm like, I'm choosing right. Oh my God. You know what that shows me? Like that experience. Yeah. Is what gay people go through all the time. Like you, in a way, that's a gift. I want to cry now, but it's in a way that's a gift that you, a straight person, got to experience that sort of. Sorry, you're not equal. Sorry, we love you, but you know, and that is, I mean, that's the whole basis of the gay rights movement. You know, like dignity and. and respect and and equality it's just uh i'm sorry that you had to go through that you know what i um i'm not saying i'm glad i went through it but i you know everything is a hard lesson not everything is going to be easy and um i hope my mom is silently proud of me and her grandchildren how can she not be i am yeah, I mean, I'm just like, but what if I was gay? What if your grandchildren right. are gay? How dare you? Because if you are really religious and God is God is love and love and all paths lead to God, then how the fuck are we going to tell somebody who they could be with? And I'm right. like, this And level. like anyone would choose it. Like, that's the other thing. Like, anyone would be like, you know what? Let me make my life as difficult as possible. Hey everyone, did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the United States with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the United States? And I'm one of them. You're listening to one of them. Fast Growing Trees has everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and your space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever, forever. I just want you to know that I just got off a plane and I walked in my apartment. What was the first thing I did is I came in and said hi to Avi, my fig tree. I'm telling you, and I have Yael, which is another plant, but Fast Growing Trees has changed my atmosphere here in my apartment. You don't need a lot of space, but they do have, you know, they have stuff for outdoor spaces. But I live in an apartment, and I'm telling you, Avi and Yael, yes, they're both Jewish names, Hebrew, the space looks so much better. And I just had a conversation with Avi. Like, I was like, I missed you. I love having living things here. It's very, very, I don't know, it's made this more of a home. It's the best. And Elisa has some too. And she loves them. And she talks to them too. But she got that from me. Anyway, check out Fast Growing Trees. 
you need to be around plant life. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code Judy Gold, J U D Y G O L D, at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code Judy Gold at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code Judy Gold. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You're welcome. You're eight years old you're, and you decide that you are going to start a magazine on your... Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> called Head Over Heels. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, James Lipton. Give it to ah, me. Yeah. Oh, I am. I'm pretty James Lipton-y. Um, yeah, so you decide you want to do a magazine and you're putting it in in your neighbor's mailboxes until they were like, stop <laughs> putting yes. a magazine in my... I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. I was just thinking I have a story in my heart that I want to share with everybody. And, you know, I'm like, they'll love it. It's going to be so great. And I, and it was terrifying if I think about it. It was like a head in a shoe, like a severed head in a shoe. <laughs> and it was all the, it was just like, so-and-so's dog took a poop and this is what it looked like. Right. And I dropped poop. I'm like, so what a bee sting. And they're like, what the fuck? This kid needs friends. I'm the only child, right? And so I, there's really no one to talk to and piano lessons are like, great, but that's not going to keep you in a Right, right, right. You know what's so funny that you created that? Like, kids today don't know how to be bored and do stuff like that. You know what I mean? And some of the greatest things came out of being bored or trying to entertain yourself. Truly. And that I mean, is so great that you did that. It's so fucking sad. I mean, I think I buried it too by the house. I'm just like, time capsule. Do you have a time capsule in your old house? I don't. Do you? Oh, I do. I mean, I'm sure it's gone now. And they're like, is this a cry for help? Is this a right. message about but um but yeah. so, like when you were being an only child like you had to go outside of the house to socialize and stuff like that and did you have a lot of friends like as a not really i mean the way i was when i was younger is kind of how i am now like in comedy i have you know a foot into a lot of doors in comedy like different you know um i guess genres you know yeah. um but I don't necessarily have like a ride or die. I'm, I'm a very social loner, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Henry, my son Henry, who's produced at Westside Comedy Club. You know, he's been. Uh, yeah, uh, I met him. Yeah. So he's like, "Mommy, how come you're not like best friend? Like your com, your friends aren't all your best friends aren't comics who you hang out with all the time." And I'm like. Because you have to have a life, you know? It's like, I do have fr like really close friends who were comics, but they're not, a lot of them don't do stand-up anymore because I'm so old. But, but that's, I love that about you, that you have like, you have boundaries and you have, you're in, but it's not like all-encompassing like psychodrama. Yeah. yeah, like I'm not a star fucker. I'm not here to right. like, a lot of people do comedy to meet people. That's right. like a way to figure out how to get over their social anxiety and also to fuck people. Right. That's something too. Like yeah. <laughs> only the guys. Only the guys. Because female comics never get fucked. 
Um, <laughs> like even when I saw you at Carson Presley's Christmas party, I was like, oh god, like you just totally like you know bright in a room and like you know everyone's Aww. laughing at you and like. Yeah, and you like, and I'm like, that's so cool. And I'm just sort of in a corner trying to figure out where to get the next drink. Oh, uh, um, please. That's all from being humiliated as a young child. Um, <laughs> uh, and so when you were 10, you, start, what, you started getting freckles, which is, first of all, they're so adorable. Like, I love your freckles. And you said, and they just get more and more. And you said that when you see another person of color with freckles, it's like, I think it's like the same thing with the tall woman who's really tall. You're like, hey, what's up? You know, like there's a little, um, yeah. Like here you are, you're, you have body, well, we'll get into the body stuff. And then you have freckles. So, and it's like this whole idea of not looking the way you're supposed to look. Like it's so, yeah. it's so sort of shapes who you are, pun intended. You know, it, totally. It um, definitely shapes who you are because um, you think because people want to always cover them. Like my mom would always cover them before we went to church and straighten my hair a lot. So you think that there's something wrong with you. you right. Think that like, why is my body doing this? Why is my face different? Like I look at people. Are, it's so funny. The things that you didn't like now are the things that everyone Love. loves. Right. Love, right. So that is wonderful. And I, it always um, kind of, um, you know, makes me jump a little bit when I sit in a makeup chair and the makeup person's like, do you want to show your freckles? And I'm like, yes, baby. Yes, like, they're the best. Like, like, why is anyone that thing? And then it also- it, That I'm says so much about them and not you, you know? Yeah, and now that I'm 43, I can fucking I recognize that, but- even at 32, I'm just like, I don't know. What do you think? And it's right, right. stupid that I should have anybody else's approval for what is mine. So what do you think? Why do you think your mother covered them up? I don't know. I think that she thought it looked um, the same. I guess the same reason why you would like um, pluck your eyebrows. Like it, yeah, didn't yeah. Look like it was neat or something. And, um, I, you know, she's, she's not racist at all. So it isn't just like, you gotta right. look more white. Everything is like, you know, you just have to look more proper. Right, In right. Jamaica, racism exists everywhere, but it's a lot of classism. And it's just like, well, right. people with money don't have freckles or some bullshit. I don't even know. And then you said you're 11 years old and you wake up on your 12th birthday and you have tits. You wanted a bicycle. Yes. And you woke up with huge tits. Yes. Yeah. Did it, it, did it really, did it seem like, oh my God, oh my God, where did the, did it really seem like, where did these come from or? Absolutely. And like, when I tell people that they're like, yeah, right. And uh, especially like my husband and some friends, right. But right. when we put the babies to sleep for a nap and we wake them up and they look like completely different children. Yes. I'm like, this is is like you just wake up and there's just something different about you and you can't explain it and so yeah man it was um and I got my period like not too far like after that but I, I was not I was still a child so I was not ready to become a woman and right um, and you they and you get objectified like that's what people don't understand it's like yeah. the minute you get boobs and your period you're now a fucking object to so many men you know, 
Um, And you're a girl. You're a little fucking girl. Yeah. I wanted like an iridescent purple banana boat seat. Oh. And now all of a sudden I'm a whore. Right. Did you get treated differently? I mean, I I know the answer to this because, you know, as a big woman, we get treated differently. Yeah. I did. You know, my uncles were just like making, you know, little comments and... My mom would always say, stop sticking out your chest, but I was just standing up straight because she told me my whole life to stand up straight. Right. Um, I couldn't, I never looked like anybody else. I couldn't run as fast because my tits was so big. Um, Pool parties were just weird, you know, even trying to find, because I went to Catholic school all the time, so even trying to find civilian clothing for our one day off a month that we could wear clothes was just, like, awful. Like, I just looked like Johnny Cash. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, I was six feet at 13 and I had a size 12 shoe um, and I couldn't, my mother, well, you're, you're 15 years younger than me. So 14, 15, are you going to be 44, 43? I'll be 43 in July. 43? Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) Um, I'll be 58 in November. (laughs) Oh my God. Girl, get it. Anyway. My mother had to make my clothes. Like they had these simplicity patterns and my mother had a sewing machine um, and she was very crafty. I mean, my parents were much older, so I grew up, it's like I grew up in the 1950s, but it was the 1970s. And, um, you know, I never, this, I couldn't, I didn't, I mean, I didn't physically look like everyone. And then I couldn't wear clothes. You know what I mean? It's not even like I could wear something cool. And it's just, it's to this day, it's something, you know, I go and I, you know, you mentioned, there was an interview I read that, and you talked about the Jersey mall, which is so Jersey. Like that's, that was our activity. We're going to the mall. That's yeah. what we did, pre-phone and everything. What are you doing? We're going to go to the mall. Especially yeah. after you got your license. That's all you did was fucking yeah. go to the mall. I used to work at Merry-Go-Round. Oh, yes, yeah, so I remember Merry-Go-Round. Yeah. I worked at, um, what is it, Wild Pear? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I mean, she's lived a life. But, yeah, you go to the mall, and none of these, I would walk by stores and be like, do you have this size? No, and it was. It's still, it, like, yeah. It's horrible. It's like, and it makes you feel again that you're not worthy. Your because, other, yeah. Yeah, because nobody is, is making you feel seen. And so I wish my mom would make me clothes. Did your mom make you bell bottoms? She did. Oh, my God. Did you see that picture I put on Instagram where I'm with my No, I'm looking father. right now. Oh, my God. I'm with my father and my sister at the Niagara Falls. That you got to... <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so r- ridiculous. It was on Father's Day. you got to see my outfit. <laughs> I'm looking for it. Oh my <laughs> god! Yes, yes. Who is who? Wait, is this in Switzerland? No, that's in Niagara Falls, I think. In Canada. Oh, okay. Canada. So flowers. That is so righteous. That's so um, handsome. Tall too, huh? He was. Yeah, he was six two, six three. Yeah, and my mother was five nine. But my grandparents, my grandfather, who was born in 1892, he was 6'4", which, and my grandmother was born in 1896 and she was 5'8". I mean, like, we're just fucking tall. And it was so hard because my mother would always say, they're jealous, the kids are jealous because they would pick on me. And it's like, 
No, they're not. They're, you know, like who would, I would look at myself like I was in the marching band. Like I would see myself and go, oh no wonder they pick on me. Would you, now what, were you into a lot of activities at, in school and everything? No, I wanted to be, but um, my parents worked really long hours. So there was nobody I'm to slap you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My yeah, mother worked so too. Yeah, like I played soccer once and I really loved it and I had potential, but I had to keep like bumming a ride home from like Lisa, Jennifer. Did yeah, you so. did you have a prom? I did have a prom, but I went to three different high schools and so the high How school come? I prom. I know. It's so silly. Um I begged my parents after eighth grade, please don't send me to Catholic high school. I wanna right. go to public school. I'm done with this. I go to public school. I get beat up all the time. So I'm like, I can't do this. Like, I threw a desk at a teacher because she said, stop acting like a nigger. Like, it was insane. No fucking way. Yeah. Fuck it her, was, that fucking cunt. I Sorry. know, that fucking cunt. No, fuck yeah. her. And um, and I got detention for it. So, it, it, and talk about Jersey being racist. It was Oh, so beyond. Fucking. And um, shit, maybe I should go back to Catholic high school. And so I went to Notre Dame High. Um, for a couple years, and then my dad lost his job, and we moved to uh, an apartment in South Jersey, and I just ended up going to the public school there, because I'm like, I it doesn't matter. You don't have to pay all this money for me to go to a school where I feel safe or whatever the fuck. Right, right. People were really nice there, but I went to the prom there, and everybody knew each other since they were like five. Right, right. So I was just, you know, kind of like the odd man out, having fun, dancing on the sidelines. Um, but never really feeling like you fit in. Yeah, which is kind of now. I know. Exactly. That's why you're such a great comic. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. How do you think your father losing his job affected you and your family? Man, you know, when people say happy wife, happy life, that is not the case for the three of us. It was definitely, you know, um, my dad that sort of could make or break um, the spirit of our family. And so the fact that he was let go for a company that he put so much into for over 40 years and he was the only black guy and he, he taught a lot of white dudes to kind of like how to do the job and they ended up, you know, uh, going a, a lot of further ahead than him and sort of like the racism. Um, yeah. The racism. Yeah. These are his friends and they also like turned against him and, that was the first time I actually saw my dad depressed. And so um, for me, it kind of, I kind of liked it though. Like I, I enjoyed it because for me, it felt like mm, that was the first time I felt like my dad is just a guy trying to get through the fucking day. Like, right. You have... looked at him as a human being. Like there's, yeah. a, there's this weird part. Like I remember my mother, I didn't realize, you know, I didn't realize till later was, uh, you know, had depression and anxiety and there was, one point where she was like, um, I'm a person too. She said something like that to me, like, I'm just a person too. And I was like, you are? Like, cause you, you know what yeah. I mean? 
Yeah, you have them on a pedestal, right? right? Yeah. And it's like, respect me, I'm your mom. Respect me, I'm your dad. Right. And you're a teenager and you're just like, why didn't you, how come you never listen? And so right. instead of going through all that teenage angst, I was like, oh shit, he's sad too. I'll, I'll, let me sit this one out and figure out how to help everybody. Oh, that's so sad. Okay, so you end up going to <laughs> FIU. I have to do transition. You go to Florida International. <laughs> and I have to tell you, that's a fucking great school, number one. And, and number two, I performed there like 30 years ago. Of so course you did. 25. Yeah. It's a really yeah, good it's school. It's not a bad school. I mean, for like a little university that will take anybody and you can afford it, you know, you learn a lot. I mean, I, it was so nice to be in South Florida too with people who didn't always ask me about why I'm black and light and why I have tits. And everybody was just out there letting shit hang out. People spoke three different languages. I didn't know what the fuck they were saying, but they were getting the <laughs> wrong. It was like amazing. And there were, and I, this is the first time I really ran into um, um, gay clergymen too. I'm just like, y'all are just out here doing it. So, right, right. You know what's really so funny about being a Jersey person? It's like you realize when you leave that there's a whole world out there and, <laughs> and it's so close to them. It's like 10 miles away. It's 20 miles away. And there's so many people like, I don't go to the city. I'm not going to Philly. I'm not going here. I'm not going to New York. Like, and, and it's like, and they rather would stay in their close-minded little, I know. you know, it's amazing. And I can't. Yeah a jersey person too but yeah oh man it's uh it's uh, interesting yeah when you go to florida everyone yeah. thinks you're from work anyway so i'm like i'll take it we don't give a fuck you studied journalism is that correct which would go in with your head over head and head over heels magazine <laughs> yes i really do you have any story. copies i want a copy of head over heels magazine I don't think I have any copies. Um, uh, yeah, I, wa I, I wanted to be a journalist because, um, you know, there's something really fun and interesting about, um, again, probably this is why I do comedy, but, you know, on the fly and... Um, telling a story, yeah. Telling a story, a live hit, you know, adding some depth and nuance to what's really happening, even if it's a house fire and what could you learn and stuff like that. So... You know, uh, and also a, uh, after going to the office with my parents for so long, I just wanted something that felt different. Right. You, you tell a professor that you want to be a journalist and he says, you're too fat to be on camera. Yeah. We were going around the class at FIU um, and telling, telling him what our major is and what we want to do and stuff like that. And so when I said that, he said, you're just simply too fat to be on camera. I want and to fucking kill him. I want to kill him and that fucking high school teacher cunt. Go ahead. <laughs> I know, but this is also like comedy, right? You learn from the bad and the good because um, I don't know why, I, again, I'm my daughter's mom and I believe him and I'm not going to challenge authority and he's my elder and, uh, to his credit, I didn't see anyone like me on TV. So I'm like, I guess he's right. He's been doing this for a while. And yeah, that's true. You weren't represented. You said that I heard you say that you, In Living Color was like the only show. Yes. In Living, yes, In Living Color, which was a right. sketch show. It's right. Like you're not 
good enough to play yourself. You have to play other people. Right, right. And dance and not even say anything at all. So I'm just like, cool. All right, I guess. So, and so did that hit you? Like, uh, like I just another similarity. I I went to Rutgers and then I wanted to go to graduate school at Mason Gross for theater, and I auditioned for Bill Esper, and he said, you're very talented, you have perfect comedic timing, but you're too tall, how do you expect me to cast you? And I didn't uh, get into graduate school because I was too fucking tall. And my mother was like, you'll show him. him. I, he's dead, I think he just died. I, and my mother was like, yo, I'll show him. Go pee on it. <laughs> but I was like, when I read that about you, I was like, but this is what I'm fucking saying. Like, had somebody been telling me and other little girls, you can do anything, be the first one, it's okay, pave the way, not get bikini body ready, cover your freckles. Right. Like, we could have a fucking female president if we just teach our girls that they could fucking do anything. And so, ah, yeah. Well, we I mean, had a good, we had someone who was overqualified, but we need to grab by the pussy motherfucker because everyone hated her. Yeah. But... And then you, you said you loved Living Single. That was another show you yeah. loved. Um, yeah. oh and That's so good. You decided that you were going to go, and, and you said you learned, first, you worked in retail, and that's where you learned a lot about people in general, like, yeah. and their prejudices yeah. and how yeah. full of shit they are. And... You decided after the fucking ask, do you know who the professor is? Who said that? Motherfucker. I have not used his name, but I know who, he, of course I know who he is. I, he, yeah. And I didn't even realize it was a thing until someone asked me like way into my comedy career, how come you just started doing on camera stuff? And I was, and I really had to think about it. I'm like, oh, this is why. This is why I got into TV production. Right. Be behind the camera and make basic people look interesting. Right. When I was in seventh grade, the, I tried out for the basketball team and the coach told me I was too tall for the team and it wouldn't be fair to the other players. <laughs> the fuck on. Yeah, Wayne Carrick. And, uh. Fuck it. Is he dead? No, he's alive. But there's another coach at my high school who follows me on Facecock, and he he was like, hey, Judy, I remember you, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, well, and he had a picture, and the guy, Wayne Carrick, was in this fucking picture. But it's like, the fact that I even remember his name, like, you fucking remember every... And I said, yeah, he's the one who told me I was too tall for the basketball team. And meanwhile, my son is going to play basketball too late, you know? And so um, he said, oh, yeah, he regrets that. Fuck him! <laughs> Go fuck, fuck yourself, and, you and, fucking um, Let him live in that regret. Karma, right. bitch. That's you're yeah. bald and only. All right. So you decide, you're, you go into production and editing, which I love because you really do have, editor, people don't realize that editors are the ones who really tell the story. And then you, you're, you're doing the late, you went on the night shift, correct? Overnight shift, yeah. That was crazy. Midnight to 9.30. And you... And then you I got did um, Fox promoted. And NBC? You did? I got promoted so quickly because um, everybody was really old. And um, especially when we started to change over to nonlinear, and it wasn't just big old beta tapes anymore. Right. Um, we were like, oh, she's always in a good mood and she gets everything done. I mean, I get everything done quickly that's not precious to me. So I'm just like, 
this basic story. Isn't that, yeah, I heard you say that too. It's, so, it's amazing what you can do when you don't give a shit. And it's so true. Yes. It's yeah, like the beginning, I, beginning of your career when you go on auditions and you're like, oh, and you don't fucking care because you don't know. Then when you know, you're like, fuck, you know, it's so awful. It's fucking bananas. It's not okay. And um, yeah, I, sometimes I wish I didn't know how much you could actually make from a TV show because then I wouldn't give a fuck. Um, it's okay. <laughs> not like I can give a fuck about us anyways, but right. I mean, that was, cra- that was, a, those were some crazy days. I was also like, I was also just so tired of doing stuff for other people. You know, I really love the money. I love that it felt different, but then it started to feel the same. Um, right. And then 9-11 happened. And I That's like, so fascinating. You said 9-11 is what made you a comp. Can you tell? The, the, yeah, the, yeah, I mean, I, I had co-workers who were like, oh my God, you're so funny. Like writers and stuff that would sit in my edit bay because right. I don't say like I'm too cute for this edit bay. Like I need a fucking window. She needs a window. There's no window. It's dark. <laughs> it's creepy. This isn't right. who I am. It's a picture of like a beach. And I'm like, this is sad as fuck. And so I would also tell them about like my roommate who had an all white cat named Cocaine. And I started writing. Oh, that's him. right. I have that. You had a roommate with a cat named Cocaine. That is fucking. This cat was so far beyond anything. And I'm not even a cat person, but I'm just like, I will give a cat a chance. Right. And this cat had one pink eye, one blue eye, and knew how to open a fucking door. No. It was insane. Wait, did your roommate do cocaine? No, she never did cocaine, which was just like. So weird, yeah. She was from Miami, and I thought she thought, I think she thought it was edgy, but. Right. She doesn't know anything about edgy. She so she's walking in the house going, cocaine, come here, cocaine. <laughs> well, then she would call the cat Kitty. I was like, is it Kitty or cocaine? She's like, oh my God. I was like this is why you're never going to make it in life, bitch. Plus, she loved olive oil and would always have it on her face and hair. So all her doorknobs were fucking slippery. And I'm like, bitch. <laughs> Finally, oh fucking separated yeah. away. She took like half of my plants and my spoons. Spoons only. I'm like, that's wild. <laughs> I was like, are you going to make a voodoo doll out of these fucking spoons? But anyways, my coworkers are like, you're so funny. You should do comedy. And every show I went to was like a shitty show. And it was mostly guys. And anytime but there was a girl, you'd be like, all right, hold on. Yeah, wait, this is the best. I wait. First of all, the fact that you would start comedy after, I mean, that was such a turning point for so many of us who had yeah. been doing comedy for so long that we didn't know what was funny anymore. And we were so, and that's when you, it's sort, yeah, that's when you began. But I, wait, I have, the fact that you didn't see women, which people don't fucking understand that we never got to work together. Like we never, um, that, that if three guys on a show is a mm-hmm. show, three women yeah. on a show is a special event. And most yeah. clubs wouldn't put more than one woman on a show. Um, and this is fucking recently. This isn't even like 40 years ago. Bitch, right. this was like five years ago. Right. You know what I mean? This is like the ha-ha women are so funny show because we have more than two women. Right. It's fucking bananas. But and, it, you know, I don't yeah. even know if the players at some point like even under, like knew what they were doing. No one curated the shows. You know, like it was always like white guy, white guy, we'll have one black guy <laughs> and, and it may, we can't can't have a black guy and a woman on a show, you know? And then yeah. if it was if it was three people of color, then that was an urban night. Like it was so, but yeah. every, 
put three white guys was just a show. And it was so fucking annoying. Thank you so much for listening to part one of my interview with Michelle Buteau on Kill Me Now. How amazing is she? If you like the show, which I mean, how can you not? Please make sure to subscribe and leave a review. It helps more people find this amazing podcast. Five stars only, please. Five stars. Five. Also, if you haven't had the chance to pre-order my new book, yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. It is available for pre-order now. It's going to be released in three weeks on July 28th. It's really good. And I just got a delivery of them and they look great and you better buy it. So Booklist, by the way, Booklist, which is a very amazing uh, website for librarians, says that my book, yes, I can say that, is a powerful and powerfully funny argument in support of how vital free speech is to comedy and comedy is to us. Come on, people. So there you go. It would mean so much to me if you would check it out. I'm going to be doing a lot of press for this. So look for me. Uh, Go to my website, judygold.com. There's pre-order links there. Plus, you can see where I'll be appearing on Zoom. And you can get it wherever you, uh, you buy your books. There's also an audiobook, too, in my voice. So thank you for listening. And as always, remember to follow me on Twitter and Instagram for all my upcoming dates and everything. And for my snarky comments, uh, at Judy Gold, you know, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D, like Jew Gold. And as we always say here, so long. Don't forget to tune in next week to Just Kill Me Now. Um, for, it's Just Kill Me. Oh, don't forget to turn uh, for part two on Just Kill Me no, it's not. It's just... Just kill me. No. no Judy Gold's just kill me. Just kill me now. Just kill me now. <laughs>